If you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 22. We end our series on the, did I say 1 Timothy again? It's 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 22. We finish our series on 2 Timothy today. And we find uh, that Paul is uh, near the end of his life. These are the last recorded words of the Apostle Paul. And so we'll look at them in just a minute, but let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ and delivering it to us in your providence, that we have it, uh, that it Uh, We pray that even as it is proclaimed today and as we read it and listen to it, that you would uh, work in our hearts and our lives and transform us for your glory and for our good. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So beginning with 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, and also the books and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth, that the The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth and I left Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you as do Prudence. Uh, Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. The start of baseball season was March 20th. And any MLB baseball player worth his salt will be looking forward the entire season to October 22nd. That is the opening World Series game. And the entire the entire season will be lived in light of anticipating uh, that momentous event, that culminating event that will happen at the end of the season. We look at our text today, we find here in chapter 4, verse 10, that it says in relationship to Demas that he was in love with this present world and so has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. There's a contrast going on here. Uh, between chapter 4, verse 10, and chapter 4, verse 8, uh, that was preached on by Heath a couple of weeks ago. Let me read 4, verse 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also everyone who have 
also to all who have loved his appearing. I think when Heath preached on it, he probably uh, used some of the terminology from the NIV translation where it speaks of longing for the appearing of Jesus Christ, and that's an accurate, uh, that's an accurate idea. The literal word in the Greek is agape, that we agape, we love the appearing of Jesus Christ. That is in contrast to Demas, who agape the present world. He loved the present world. He was stuck and fixed on this present world. He had lost sight of the fact that there was a future, a culmination uh, that he was to look forward to. What does baseball have to do with the passage today? Uh, Just like a good MLB player who's looking forward the entire season to that culminating, and hopefully they will be in the World Series, that culminating event, we live our lives with the view that the future is where we should put our focus, the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that date is a date that is set. Now, the Bible says we do not know the hour and the day at which... God has set for the return of Jesus Christ to come, Uh, but it is nonetheless a fixed date. It is certain it will happen. If I were a betting man, I would bet that come October 22nd, there will be the first game of the World Series this year, but it's not a certainty. It won't necessarily happen. Just last year, I was looking forward to an event. I put it on my calendar it was, uh, it was something that was uh, wonderful that I wouldn't miss. It was the 30th anniversary of the founding of Reformed University Fellowship at Florida State University. We had uh, Kelly Jackson here, uh, the ca- current campus minister, <coughs> who came and preached last week. And he was kind enough to host this event, this 30-year anniversary, and I happened to be the guy that started the RUF there 30 years ago in 1988. And so many campus ministers later, many students later, uh, at least a year before, we put it on the calendar. It was uh, October, let's see, what was that day? October 19th. And so uh, wild horses would not have prevented me from going to that, but a great and mighty wind uh, blew my plans out the window, along with many other things, out the window uh, when Hurricane Michael hit, right? It was set. I was going. I was going to preach, along with all the other campus ministers and all these various churches in Tallahassee. Um, So we, and the Bible says, make your plans in the book of James, but say, if the Lord wills. I will do such and such. Well, the Lord wills. There is going to be a date. It is going to come in history. And it is going to be a day uh, that, interestingly enough, is called Judgment Day, right? So why are we looking forward to Judgment Day? Because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ and not in our own supposed good works, uh, but alone in what he's done in his death on the cross and his perfect life lived for us, uh, we acknowledge this. We acknowledge that we are sinners in the sight of God, justly deserving uh, punishment and hell. But instead of judgment, we get graciously given to us the gift of eternal life. We look forward to Jesus' return. Uh, the, um, 
And, and there's a sense in which when we love his appearing, we're not simply loving Jesus Christ. Of course we love Jesus Christ, but we love what that event is going to bring about. What will happen when Jesus Christ returns? Jesus will make everything right. There will be a judgment of evil. Uh, there will be a new heavens and a new earth. Uh, the old order will go away. There will be no more tears, no more crying. He'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. Uh, he will get rid of thorns and thistles, and the animal kingdom will not, we won't have to be concerned about being devoured by sharks in the uh, Gulf of Mexico or any other thing like that. Uh, we won't have to work by the sweat of our brow. We may, in fact, work. We don't know, but we won't have to work by the sweat of our brow. It will be simply delightful uh, to live in that reality. We will have a resurrected body that will be uh, incorruptible, that nothing bad can happen to it. We won't have things like breast cancer or heart problems or bursitis, or I could spend all, all the entire sermon talking about various maladies we have, right, in the congregation. None of those. Will, they'll all be completely gone. And so we love his appearing, not the present world, right? Save the date. Put it on your calendar. Put it on your refrigerator. You might not actually have the date, but still put save the date so that you keep that in mind. Demas was Paul's co-worker, and we read that in Colossians 4.14. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. Book of Philippians, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. I mean, Demas was one of the main guys, and yet Demas lost sight. He lost sight of the appearing of Jesus Christ, and he began to love the present world, and he deserted the Apostle Paul. He deserted the ministry of Christ because of it. And it may be that Demas simply did not want to endure the persecution that the Apostle Paul was enduring. It may be, in the words of Billy Joel, his philosophy, they say there's a heaven for those who await. Some say it's better, but I say it ain't. Right? Well, Billy Joel lies. It is going to be better. It is going to be spectacular. Maybe Demas simply lost sight of it in that way. I don't know. Uh, I was sitting on a park bench with a, uh, a man in Seattle uh, when I was traveling the country. I had met him at church. He was in our career ministry, and um, he was not a believer in Jesus Christ, but he was, he was um, interested, he was seeking, he was asking questions. And we had this conversation on the park bench where he said, now, Ron, if I really believe this, if I believe this message that you and the people in the church are saying that, that we are all sinners and we all need a Savior and we'll experience hell without a Savior and that Jesus is the only Savior and I must trust in him and turn from my sins and repent of my sins but believe that Jesus accomplished this for me. If I believe that, then I would have to quit my job. I'd have to go on the mission field. I mean, the, the message is so important, I can't imagine doing anything else. And at the time, I sort of said, well, you know, people have 
different callings from the Lord and God calls some people to the mission field and, and other people to this. I think if I had answered him today, I would have said, you get it. You understand the importance of the message. It is that important. Now, God does have different callings for different people, but he got the importance of the gospel message, of the fact that there would be this appearing in the future of the Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrection would take place. Now, we receive lots of good gifts from the Lord in the present world, and we're to thank the Lord for those good gifts. Uh, One of those good gifts is family, for instance. Family is both a gift and a responsibility from the Lord. We don't say, well, the Lord has called me to the mission of getting the gospel message out, and therefore I am going to abandon my family and not provide for them. We read in 1 Timothy 5.8, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. While that's true, there is a priority of the gospel mission and of looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ that supersedes even that. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verses 37 through 39, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me, and whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It is our number one purpose, our number one goal, is keeping the end in mind, the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. In an article written by Carly Syme in Forbes entitled, Why is it hard to start with the end in mind? She writes, For every ending we choose to turn our backs on innumerable number of alternatives. This idea can can debilitate some people into never picking a specific point to look forward towards. Save the date. Look forward to his appearing above everything else. Now, we have an advantage in that because God has given us a mission, right? He's given us a mission to tell the good news, to get that good news out. And embedded in the message that we're supposed to be telling people is this whole idea of the appearing of Jesus Christ. That's part of the gospel message. 2 Timothy, we studied it earlier. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. And we said, this not only means that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, but that he is the offspring of King David. He is the eternal king. He will come back to rule and reign and make everything right. And we learned in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, where Paul again refers to the gospel, that he saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus Christ came to die, that he might be raised, 
that he might give you the gift of eternal life that you could look forward to one day, yes, if we die before Christ returns, going to heaven, our souls will go to heaven and be with him. But one day he'll return and our bodies will be resurrected. And we'll have a resurrected body and a resurrected soul and a, and a soul together will be united. And so we look forward to that. That's part of our message. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Right? That's your message. That's what I'm supposed to preach. That's what you're supposed to proclaim. That is our mission. And embedded in the mission is that save the date reminder. So we have an advantage. Now we cannot accomplish the mission of getting the message out alone. We need people to help us. I was thinking about the television show Kung Fu um, recently. Why? I'm not really sure, but it came to my mind. And for some of you, I just want to clarify, I'm not talking about Kung Fu Panda, okay? If you're of a certain age, you'll remember back in 1972, David Carradine starred as Kung Fu, the Shaolin priest who came over from China to America and lived in the West. And, and, um, and so I, I, I went ahead and I found it's on Amazon. I, hey, I saw the, went ahead and looked, viewed the pilot again. And there was a point in which, of course, you know, this famous things, you know, um, he was called Grasshopper. Ah, Grasshopper. He learned from his uh, mentors and his teachers. And he came over and he was around other uh, Chinese immigrants. And at one point, somebody said of him, he needs no company. A Shaolin priest is at one with himself. Ah, Grasshopper is one with himself. Well, um, hey, I'll tell you, the Apostle Paul had a pretty good teacher. And his teacher was Jesus Christ. He saw Jesus Christ in this dramatic encounter on the road to Damascus. And then in the book of Galatians, it says, Paul said, I didn't consult with any human teacher for three years. And presumably, he was being taught the gospel, the good news by Jesus Christ. So he had a pretty good teacher, right? And yet the Apostle Paul says, Timothy, I need you. I need people. God has made us to need people and to benefit from people in the task of accomplishing our mission of getting this good news out. 2 Timothy 4.9, do your best, Timothy, to come to me soon. 2 Timothy 4.21, do your best to come to me before winter. So why is Paul alone? Well, he's in prison in Rome. He's already had his initial trial. He's waiting another trial. Uh, he is assuming or even assured of by God, perhaps, that he will face the death penalty. And first of all, Paul is alone because he's been deserted by someone who has given up the mission. We've referred to Demas. And all of us know people as believers in Jesus Christ who have uh, given up the faith or, or left it or maybe just uh, uh, given up the mission. You know, maybe it's they were burning brightly for the mission of Jesus Christ uh, and they've, they've uh, substantially walked away from that. And the discouragement that is, I'm sure this was a huge discouragement uh, to the Apostle Paul to have Demas uh, give this up. I've known 
uh, fellow pastors who've done that, who've given up Christ for a younger woman, and on and on it goes. We can suffer discouragement from uh, people leaving the mission and uh, giving up. So the Apostle Paul uh, was minus a co-worker because of that. But in other cases, Paul was, you know, was alone because uh, of his own doing. He sent people out or left people to be involved in the gospel mission, getting that gospel out. He was willing to be alone for that purpose. And we read, for instance, verse 10, Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, Tychicus uh, he sent to Ephesus. Presumably, Tychicus uh, delivered this letter to Timothy uh, in Ephesus. Uh, Erastus remained at Corinth. Trophimus had to be left in Miletus. Again, presumably a co-worker. He was ill. And so on and on it goes. Either the Apostle Paul sent people out or the Apostle Paul left people as he came so that they might, from city to city, be engaged in the ministry of the gospel. He was willing to do that. So important was the task of getting the gospel message, the good news out to others. Now let me ask you, is the gospel message, is that mission important enough for you to be lonely even, uh, to give up people uh, that are important to you? I think of you parents. How about your kids? Uh, You teach them the importance of faith in Jesus Christ, the gospel mission, Uh, what if they said to you, God has called me to be a missionary in Papua New Guinea on the other side of the world. What if they've got kids, your grandkids, Mm, right? Are you willing to give them up for the gospel of Jesus Christ? How about this? I've known at least one instance where uh, parents in their retirement went on the mission field and the children were not too happy about it, right? So the rubber meets the road. Uh, how important, how vital is this mission to you, the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, the Apostle Paul needed people because he had physical needs. It's interesting here in the, in the last words of the Apostle Paul, we have a reference to his cloak, right? Doesn't seem all that significant, this cloak. Uh, evidently, if you look at the, the phraseology of it, is, the wording of it is a, is a cloak. It sort of reminds me from the description of sort of a thick poncho with a hole that you would put over the person. Um, I, I did a little research. Rome in winter can get into the 30s in terms of temperature, so it can be, it can be cold. And the Apostle Paul is saying, Timothy, uh, get here quickly and leave before winter. Why is that? Number one, the cloak. Number two, if he doesn't leave before winter, he won't be able to make it because you can't travel in the Mediterranean that day in the winter. And so Paul says, I have practical need of this cloak. Get it to me. We're flesh and blood people. We need other people to help us out. And... He says here, bring uh, the papyrus, the paper, the books, the parchments, the writing on uh, animal skins. Uh, Really, Paul, really, is it that important? I mean, you know, I know there's some Old Testament writings there and some probably writings that will become New Testament. Um, uh, But uh, can't you just write some of the Bible for yourself? I mean, come on. Do I have to tote this all the way from Ephesus to Rome? 
Yes, the Apostle Paul was serious, even as he knew his life was coming to an end, to be encouraged and to encourage through God's word. And he needed Timothy uh, to deliver this. We need people to help us keep that perspective, to save the date, to look forward to the appearing of Jesus Christ. We need to encourage one another in these things. Make it your goal to be at worship every Sunday morning. Okay? Make it your goal to be here. Now, as soon as I say that, somebody will accuse me of legalism. And I know there are people that can't be here. There are people that have physical needs. They can't make it every week. But make it your goal to be here every Sunday morning. If you're on vacation, let me challenge you to find a church and worship in that church, or if not, to have family worship together. Why? There are many reasons why, but in terms of the application for today, we need to be encouraged by one another. We need to develop relationships with fellow Christians. This is the church that God has made you a part of. Let me, let me lay down another challenge. Come to Sunday school. Okay, why? There are many reasons to come to Sunday school, but one reason is that you can get to know people that you don't already know, and you can get to know people uh, better through community in Sunday school. How about next week? Come to the meal that we're going to have after worship and meet some people that you don't already know or get to know some people better just by having a meal with them. Ask people to your house for a meal, if you have a house right now, uh, or if your house is available, or think of ways of maybe spending time with people, maybe go out to a restaurant or something. The Apostle Paul here is taking the initiative, right? It, it could be argued that the entire letter that we call 2 Timothy was written for the purpose of getting Timothy to come and help the Apostle Paul out. Just sit down today and read the whole thing. It all leads to that ending. Come on, Timothy. I want to see you. Come on. Uh, I need your encouragement. I need your help. And so take the initiative to be around the people of God, to be encouraged by the people of God, to encourage the people of God. We need each other to do that. Now, even when we're alone, we're not alone. We have the Lord Jesus Christ with us. We see that. We see that it's absolutely vital that we have Jesus to help us accomplish our mission. The Apostle Paul was alone in court. Uh, in his first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. Evidently, it would have looked something like this. I don't know if it's exactly what happened, but in his first hearing... Uh, the judge might have said something like, is there anyone who wishes to uh, state a word in defense of the defendant? Crickets. Nobody there. Nobody speaking. Just the Apostle Paul. My first defense, nobody stood by me. But he says, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. So where is God when I'm going through suffering? He's standing beside you. Where is God when I'm alone, when no people are around me? Christ is standing by you. Be strengthened in that knowledge. 
Now, the Apostle Paul saw evidence of the Lord's being with him. He was able to continue his mission. In fact, the very fact that he was there at the, uh, at the trial and that he had the courage to do it was an example that God was with him. He was able to speak to the Gentiles uh, and accomplish the mission of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in this courtroom setting. Secondly, um, even though no one spoke in his defense and he could have faced the death penalty right then and there, he was not immediately given to death. It says that he was saved from the mouth of the lion. Now, the Apostle Paul as a Roman citizen would not have faced the death penalty through uh, being thrown to the lions, but it was, uh, it was a figure of speech that, that Paul said that he was saved from death in this first encounter by God. He goes on to say, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Now, how is God going to do this? The Apostle Paul already stated in the passage that we looked at two weeks ago that he was already being poured out like a drink offering, uh, that he knew that his life was coming to an end. And the Apostle Paul is saying here that, yes, my life is coming to the end, but he is going to keep me safe all the way to the end. I will be saved not from death, but ultimately through death. I will remain true to the Lord Jesus Christ and my faith in him. I will remain true to the mission that God has called me to with the help of Jesus Christ who stands by me. That he will bring me safely home into his heavenly kingdom. Paul is anticipating that he will go home to be with the Lord in heaven prior to uh, the return of Jesus Christ. So Christ is with you to the end. Whatever you go through, whatever difficulty, whatever loneliness, believe it. Do not lose sight of your mission, your mission to get the news of Jesus Christ out. And you say, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a teacher. Well, pray that God will give you the opportunity to be a bearer of the good news. Even just your story. How is it that you came to know Jesus Christ? What does he mean to you? How has faith in him changed you? What are you looking forward to? Invite people into your lives that don't know Jesus so that they might hear of Jesus Christ through you and through others that you're going to bring them in association with, people in our church and eventually the church itself. There are many ways that we can be together, that we can work together as the people of God for the mission of getting the gospel message out. In a, in a war, in a battle... Uh, there are some that are on the front lines, soldiers that are serving in battle on the front lines, and others that are doing other uh, means. Some are cooks uh, to provide for the troops so that they can do the job that they do. We're in this together, and we all have a part to play in this gospel ministry. The last verse here, verse 22, the Lord uh, be with your spirit, uh, that word uh, your in the Greek is in the singular. He's speaking to Timothy. And then the next phrase, grace be with you, is in the plural. This is the Apostle Paul's nod to us. He's not just writing to Timothy. He's not just writing to an individual. He's writing to the church. He's writing to the church at large. He's writing to the First Presbyterian Church of Panama City. The application of this entire book 
is for you and it's for me. I've seen this story recorded uh, by both Billy Graham and Chuck Colson in slightly different versions. It's of Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the great author, um, was uh, put into the gulags of the former Soviet Union, uh, was extremely uh, depressed, was under hard labor, and had decided that um, he was just going to give up and uh, let, the, let the guards kill him. Uh, he had seen it happen before. He was going to simply stop working, uh, take his shovel and sit down uh, and let them do what they would do. And uh, another a prisoner came over to him and in the, uh, in the dirt in front of him put the image of the gospel, of the cross, excuse me, with his fingers. And that was all that Alexander Solzhenitsyn needed. It was a fellow Christian telling him uh, to keep his eye focused on uh, the person of Jesus Christ, the cross of Jesus Christ. He knew he had a future, uh, and praise God that he did, uh, that he made it, was able to write some of the profound works that he did about his life in the Soviet Union. Uh, but we need each other. Uh, we can be discouraged in the uh, mission. We can be discouraged in life. We can be discouraged in our faith. Uh, we can be tempted to focus our eyes and our love on this present world as opposed to uh, the world to come with the appearing of Jesus Christ. And so let us encourage one another and make that our aim uh, for the gospel, for the mission that it might be accomplished. Father, we come to you today. We pray that you would do that, that you would help us to know how we might uh, be an encouragement to each other. Uh, Father, we pray that you would help us to be encouraged by you, by your son Jesus Christ, that we would have that sense that he is with us, that he'll never forsake us, he'll never leave us, no matter what we're going through, no matter what our difficulty. It may seem like uh, your mission uh, is, a, uh, is a distant reality with the, the struggles and the trials that we're going through, Father, but I pray that you would give each of us, regardless of what we're going through, uh, that reality and that purpose that we might keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ and his appearing, that we might love his appearing and what he will accomplish at, at that time, and that we might be encouraged by our fellow believers in Christ to live for him and the mission related to his gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And let us continue to worship our great God by singing the hymn from all that dwell below the skies. Let's stand and sing together. <laughs> 